John chapter 7, verses 37 through 53, through the end of the chapter there. We'll finish up chapter 7 today. Amen. Amen once everyone has it there. All right. Give you a couple more seconds. <clears throat> All right, John chapter 7, starting in verse 37. Scripture reads this In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen? If you remember how we got to this point here, Jesus had gone to the feast, um, and He had sent His disciples ahead of Him, and then He shows up to the feast, and He's in Jerusalem, and there's a lot of commotion going on about Him. A lot of controversy has been stirred up by this time. He ends up going into the synagogue and he's teaching. And then what he's teaching, they have, you know, uh, they get into a big division over. And, um, and so they got into this discussion of, um, you know, but we know, we know he is the son of Joseph and Mary. And we, we know him. And, but the Messiah, we'll not know whence he came. And, but we know who he came from. And so there was, there was all this going on in the backdrop of this. A division begins to, uh, to happen here amongst the people and um, so they're having this big controversy Um, and so we left off you know the last the last message we did out of the chapter ye shall seek me and shall not find me and where I am to you cannot come he was rebuking uh, the pharisaical Jews there that really didn't have an excuse not to know him and so we've got to this point here and now he's repeating this this concept here um, because you remember we kind of touched on um, on this water that he's offering. Remember the woman that came to the well. Amen. And so here he's repeating this. So he's still he's still in the synagogue, and um, and there's so they've had this controversy of who he is. He's made this rebuke of you know there will be a day where you will seek me and shall not find me. So we talked about the passing of opportunity. Amen. Accept Christ while you have a chance because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. We had that discussion, and then, uh, and then, so here, this is the last day of the feast, right? So you can picture this scenario. This is the last day of the feast. It's full of commotion. There's people everywhere, and he's not going to allow this crowd to disperse after everything that's happened without giving a final beckoning call. Come unto me, take the water that I will give them, and, and, and come to me and drink. He that believeth on me... As the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's making one last appeal because he knows that the opportunity to witness to some of these people as they disperse, he may not have another opportunity to reach them after that. Um, And so, I kind of want to point this out. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Highlight that in your Bible. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Aren't you glad today that when your soul is athirst, Jesus has the water that satisfies it? Amen? And I thought it was quite fascinating to me 
as we went into the uh, scriptures on Wednesday about um, false teachers in Second Peter, and he talked about them being wells without water and clouds that are just pushed away with the tent. In other words, they're here one minute, gone the next, and you know. Uh, and I just thought, you know what? The wells of this world are dry. But the water that Jesus would quench your thirst forever. Amen. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Uh, think about this, and we we first saw this concept here in John uh, four, chapter four, verse fourteen. Jesus said this: "But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life." Amen. Now he's repeating. He's repeating that concept. Um, and so we see that in verse 38 and 39. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Let me ask you this today. Is your soul thirsty? Are you thirsting for God? Are you feeling the need for God in your life? Will you accept Christ as your Savior? If so, He'll give you the living water and it'll be a, a well springing up out of your life forever and ever and it'll never stop. Do you want that today? Do you want to have your soul, uh, the thirst of your soul quenched that you'll never thirst again? Why? Because you'll know. I've received Christ. I've received everything I need for all eternity. And so your soul will be satisfied even when trials and troubles come, come our way in this life and things are afflicted or our physical health, whatever comes our way, we still have peace that surpasses understanding because we've drank from the water that satisfies forever. Amen? Then you look at verse 39. And it gives us a little glimpse here of what we're talking about, uh, what he's referring to with this water. He says, but this spake he of the Spirit. That's a capital S, by the way. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? God's people don't need to play around with any other spirits like the world does. We need the Holy Spirit of God. He tells us to focus on Him, His Spirit. We don't play around with that other stuff. This he spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on Him should receive. Wait, hold on. So all I have to do to receive the Holy Spirit is believe on Him? You mean I don't have to do all these other things that some of these other places are teaching? Some of these other teachers are teaching? You know, you have to... Well, first you have to, you have to believe the Gospel and then once you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you have to... You have to get you know all sin out of your life. You have to you have to you know you have to do everything right and everything that we tell you to do, and then you have to do it long enough for the anointing to come on you, and then you have to you have to fast and you have to ask God to give you the Holy Spirit, and then maybe He'll He'll pour it out on you, and then you'll start speaking all that. That's what some people are they complicated. That's not what the Bible says. He gives it to you because you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The minute you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to abide with you and in you forever. And your relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, He provides comfort, He gives peace, He gives instructions, guidance, conviction, He helps our relationships. I mean, the whole functioning of the Christian life comes through the equipping of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? And all you have to do is believe. Maybe we should be standing up in front of a, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit. Believe on <clears throat> Him should receive. 
For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because the Jesus was not yet glorified. So here in verses 38-39, we learn this. He that believes on Christ, out of his belly flows rivers of living water. What is the water? He tells us here, we're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. If you are a believer in Christ, um, you should have the Holy, the Holy Spirit of God will live in you. And the evidence of that is the fruits of the Spirit and things coming out of your life that are godly because you have the Holy Spirit guiding you and directing you. Uh, we've addressed this here. How do you get the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on Him should receive? You just believe on Christ. Amen. That's um, not complicated. But then we deal with this kind of this uh, situation here. Um, dispensational teaching here, right? So this, um, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He had not yet been crucified, uh, entombed, resurrected. He told them that He would send the Holy Spirit back after He appeared to them after His resurrection. He ascended up into heaven. I think it was, uh, I think it was 50 days. It was 40 days He appeared uh, and revealed Himself after the resurrection. Then He ascended, and then it was several days after. And I believe the day it was 50 days after His resurrection when the Holy Spirit of God was poured out at the day of Pentecost. Right? And so then the... the Thousands and thousands have gathered there, and, and the sign, yes, there was different languages being spoken by the disciples as the Spirit was... Fo- what was the point of that? To authenticate the ministry of the apostles, that they would be the, found, the founding, uh, the men that would be doing the foundational work of form, forming the church, amen? And so you have, you have that happening. So, so Jesus had not yet been glorified. He had not yet been crucified. He had not yet ascended into heaven. The Spirit had not yet been poured out on the church to begin that process. Um, and so, but, so he's speaking of a future revelation here. Um, but he's telling them, believe on me and you should receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, in other words, let me give you this. This is important apologetics on the topic. Some would say, no, your very Scripture preacher it teaches that if you're a believer... You should receive it. But that means not everyone that believes does. No, it says you should receive it because he had not yet been glorified to send it back. He's speaking of it. You should receive it because what's going to happen, he's speaking of it in a future tense. What's going to happen is I will be glorified and I will send the Holy Spirit back. That's that's what that is talking about. Um, And so I'm thankful for that. I want to point this out to you. Christ has set himself in contrast to the false teachers of the world, which we talked about on Wednesday evening, um, from Second Peter uh, chapter two and verses seventeen and eighteen, you can write it down. I won't turn there this morning, but they're referred to as wells without water, clouds carried away. They speak great swelling words that were, you know, learned through their education and their upbringing. Uh, they were pretentious uh, speakers uh, after selfish ambition. Um, and so they teach doing a lot of other things for personal satisfaction when what the Bible teaches us is going anywhere but to Christ for satisfaction will only leave us empty and dry. We can't put our trust in anything else. We put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, He sends blessings our way. They can come in a lot of different forms and fashions. Uh, He's the giver of everything that's good in our life. He's the source of every blessing. 
Um, And those blessings can come in a lot of different ways. But the most important blessing is the spiritual blessing that we have for knowing Christ as Savior. Uh, So going anywhere else uh, will leave you empty and dry. And what, what he is kind of referring to here, because again, he's surrounded by false teachers. These Pharisees were teaching that he was not the Christ, he was not the Messiah, and trying to get people to deny the faith. So what we learn is this. A true teacher called of the Lord seeks to point you to Him. Amen? As your pastor, I want to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to point you to the Lord. Um, There are uh, people that want to they want to be the center of everyone's attention, but we ought to want the Lord to be the center of our attention. Amen? It's not about me today. It's not about you today. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should all want the children of God uh, to be um, obedient to the Lord and growing in the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So then we, we talked about this, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why not? Well, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Um, He had not yet been crucified and tomb resurrected or ascended. I want to give you this. These disciples, they believed Jesus. Uh, They followed Jesus. Um, Christ had confirmed who He was to them through His works and in the manner in which that He taught. Yet they were lacking in the understanding of everything that was taking place with Christ. Um, even as they were walking with Him. And the reason that they had a struggle with understanding these things that was taking place is because they had not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So they did not... It says in the Bible uh, that the, the things of the Scripture, they're spiritually discerned. To be able to understand what you're looking at when you're reading the Bible, you have to have the Holy Spirit of God. And it was the same kind of interaction that was here. They were learning from Christ and they were kind of seeing the things that He was teaching, but they really went back and forth in their understanding and struggled with the spiritual truths of it because it's the Holy Spirit that takes the words off the page or takes the words that were spoken from Christ and puts it into, oh, I get it. I get it now. Because you needed the Holy Spirit for it to be discerned. Amen? And so that's why we've seen that happening. So, um, you know, there are, there are plenty of, of people today. Let me give you this. There are plenty of people today who um, they believe that Jesus is real. They believe, you know, they believe Jesus. If you ask them, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe Jesus is real. Okay, good. Do you believe He was crucified? Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe he was crucified. Uh, do you believe he's Lord? Uh, and, and sometimes you'll catch it. I, yeah, I believe people should try to be like Jesus and follow his teachings. Right? So that would be a form of following Jesus. But then you ask, have you ever trusted Christ to be your Savior? And the conversation takes a turn. Amen? Wait a minute. Um, so you can do a lot of things, but having never trusted Christ for salvation... Uh, if you've never asked to be saved, you've never uh, asked for the forgiveness of sins, you've never trusted Christ and His works only, His finished works on Calvary, to pay the price for you that you can have eternal life, uh, if you've never gotten saved, then you would be destitute of the Holy Spirit. You would not have the Holy Spirit. And therefore, you would not be able to properly lead others spiritually. Amen? The the child of God should not want to be led by somebody that's destitute of the Holy Spirit of God or they'll be misled. 
And so that's happening today. And so we have to be careful for it. And I think that kind of summarizes where we were at on on a Wednesday evening about that topic. Here, Christ was surrounded by those who cannot properly lead because the blind cannot lead the blind. Amen. And the one that has the true sight is the Lord Jesus Christ. And He shares that with us today because in our dispensation of the grace of God, we're thankful today that we, we ask for salvation and forgiveness. We receive the Holy Spirit and He opens our eyes to understanding and what's the truths of the Scripture start to make sense to us and we learn what we need in order to live uh, for the Lord as, as, uh, as faithful Christian believers. Amen? Uh, so there's through 39. Let's pick up where I left off here. Look at this in verse 40. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Um, so this now is not a prophet. They capitalized it and they referred to him as the prophet. They are referring to Christ. This of a truth must be the Christ. It's been promised to us. Excuse me. Uh, it's been promised to us. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Here we go again. He thought we would have gotten past this. <laughs> Here we go again. It's like, you ever had tried to have a conversation with somebody and it seemed like you finally arrived to the conclusion of it and that you'd gotten the point across and now it makes sense and we're all on the same page and we've covered this and then a few seconds later, it's like they go right back to the beginning. It's like, here we go again. I got to go all the way back around this. You ever, you ever had that conversation with somebody before? It's like, I just told you this. We just went, okay, let's go back to the beginning and start all over again. Here we are again. Uh, wait, can, can, he, can the Christ come out of Galilee? We've covered this already. But uh, here we see the division again coming up concerning Christ. Can I give you this? There's always been a division concerning Christ, and there's always going to be. Amen? Until he's sitting on the throne for eternity, uh, and everything's been fulfilled according to the Scriptures, but uh, let's look at this, verse 42. Hath not the Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of Him. And some of them would have taken Him, but no man laid hands on Him. Once again, we're seeing how the hand of God protected the situation from going past what he allowed it you see what i'm saying because it was not time for him to be taken so it was by the providence of god that he uh inter- that he prevented them he hindered them from being able to do so so there's this division and here's uh, some valid points they're saying well we know that this christ came from mary and joseph it shows that they were ignorant to the events that took place concerning christ's very own birth Amen. Did they not remember the census and every man had to go back to their own uh, region? So, uh, so some are saying this is the prophet. This is the Messiah. Others said Christ cannot come from Galilee. He must come from Bethlehem, uh, the city of David. Hold your spot there. Look at Luke chapter 2. You can flip there. I'll read it to you. Luke chapter 2, 4 through 7. Hey, look, it's Christmas in July. And Joseph also went up from Galilee 
out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she, uh, that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Where was Christ born at? The city of David. Bethlehem. So it shows that everything concerning Him, according to the prophets, He fulfilled. He fulfilled. Amen? So they're debating this issue. There was a division because of Him. Guess what? There still is a division because of Christ today. Some would have taken Him, uh, but they couldn't. They debated on His origin, but He's fulfilled all things perfectly according to the Scripture. Now look at this, verse 45 through the end of the chapter. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Amen. Amen to that. That's right. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? So if you believe on something they don't believe on, then something's wrong with you, not them. That's kind of that statement there. We'll talk about that in a second. But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus, remember him? Saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him? And know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Are thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. Amen? Why have ye not brought him? That's what the Pharisees said. Do you see what the expectation was there? Verse 45, The officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, why have ye not brought him? That tells me that they had already commissioned this issue. They'd already sent them out. Their responsibility was to apprehend Jesus and bring him back because they were going to deal with him. They were going to kill him. That's what they wanted to do. Now these Pharisees, they've come back. They're empty-handed. Amen? Let me tell you something. When you go against God, you're going to end up empty-handed every time. You go trying to get your way against God's will, you're going to end up empty-handed. They were empty-handed. They couldn't deliver. They didn't make good on their agreement. And obviously, they had made this agreement with these uh, officers and, and everybody, and they were expecting to put Jesus to death. They were expecting this situation uh, to be... Uh, the Pharisees wanted this situation to be over. They wanted, And the officers answered them, and listen to this, uh, never man spake like this man. Do you see what's happened there? Never... Never a man has spoken like this man. Listen, uh, this happens today when somebody has decided, I don't want to hear the gospel. I don't want your religion. I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, you, you know, they're, they're, they're against Christ for a time and for a season. But if they just hear it, if they just hear the gospel, they would make the same statement, never. Never have I heard anything like that before. Never have I heard a message so perfect, so complete. Never have I heard of such love. And never have I ever thought that God would 
offer all of this to me. And then they plug it in, and the next thing you know, somebody you thought would never believe, an atheist, whatever, and all of a sudden they've converted. And they've accepted Christ as Savior. Uh, but here was their expectation to put Jesus to death. Um, and here's their response. Are ye also deceived? They said, well, nobody's spoken like Him. Then answered them the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Can I give you this today? When you start believing the teachings of Christ, the world treats you like you're the one that's deceived. Amen? Um, like you're the one that's fallen for some kind of trick. Has anyone here been treated like that before? You don't really believe that stuff, do you? Well, yeah, I do. Oh, man, you don't let those people talk you into all that crazy Christianity stuff, believing all that stuff. Man, that stuff's not real. Kind of is. I, I, I really believe that I've accepted Christ to be my Savior and Man, I'm not the same as I was, and I feel different, and I, I don't feel like I did, and I, I, you know, I've got new hope, and I just, I'm happy, I got joy, I don't, I don't understand everything, I can't explain it all to you, but I just know that I think you're wrong, and that I really have accepted uh, what is true and what God really wants for me. But it's always the case when somebody starts believing the teachings of Christ, when somebody starts believing the Bible, when somebody starts telling others, I've gotten saved, when you start going to church and now you've got new friends and you've got a new church family and you're spending more time with those that are like-minded and you're spending less time with those that are still in the world and you're studying the Bible and you're praying and you're doing all these things and now you're in church on Wednesday and you're in church on Sunday and, and it just seems like all of a sudden and you get treated differently because they treat you like you've fallen for some kind of lie when the reality is they're the ones that are lost, not you. They're the ones that are lost. These Pharisees. This people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Now we see the boldness of Nicodemus. Catch this, is pretty amazing. Nicodemus, if you remember, he went to Jesus by night, it tells us this, saith unto them, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, he wants the God emphasized Nicodemus' background for a reason here. Amen. Uh, it points out the fact that Nicodemus was he was a Pharisee, like the rest of them, and he went to Jesus by night. And you know what was happening is Nicodemus was witnessing the works of Christ, and in the back of his mind, he's thinking. Well, that's a lot like what I learned in the prophets, and that really lines up with this. And so he's questioning, I think this is the Messiah. And so he goes by night, and he's inquiring of the Lord, and the Lord reveals himself to him. Now we see Nicodemus stepping out a little bit in his faith and speaking up for the Lord. Amen? Because here they are, ready to kill him. They're against Jesus. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? I love this. A Pharisee who went to Christ by night had to keep his beliefs a secret for a time. Now he jumps all over this opportunity that his colleagues here have opened up to him because in verse 49, the Pharisee said, People who knoweth not the law are cursed. And he throws it right back at him and says, But what you're trying to do is against the law. You hypocrite! 
Isn't that a, I, I love that stuff when that happens. And Nicodemus, that was the wisdom of God coming on Nicodemus. And he's, he's saying, um, okay, so the people that know not the law are cursed. Does not the law say uh, that we cannot judge Christ before we hear him and know what he doeth? And so uh, he, he uses the very law that they're kind of referring to. Um, and it's just, just an amazing thing here. And so let me give you this. There, there's a lesson learned here. Um, in verse uh, 52 through the end, they answered and said unto him, Are thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. That's basically trying to just sneer, get the last word in, and then we're all depart and go. They all went to their own house. They all went away with the division still there. Amen. Some believing, some denying, um, with their, all their own little reasons. Um, but let me give you this. Think that Christ came to bring peace? No. The effect of the preaching of the gospel brings division. While some are gathered to it, some are gathered against it. Some here that we've learned in chapter 7 have gathered to the teachings of Christ. They've been brought to Christ through the teaching. Others have decided to harden their heart and reject it and they don't want anything to do with it. Amen? Um, So there's a division there. Christianity from the beginning has been represented to the world as a great cheat upon it. I want you to make note of that. Christianity from the beginning has been represented. Those that are the false teachers, those that think they know more than God, those that think there's some other way, and there's science that contradicts it, and this and that, and they have those great swelling words, and they get these convincing arguments, and they may appear smart and intelligent, and what they do is they represent to those who are either young in their faith, or they're at a place of life where they're asking questions about faith because they're not yet saved, and then the Satan uses them and has the opportunity to mislead them and try to represent to the world that Christianity, uh, following Christ, getting saved, born-again Christianity is some great cheat upon the world and the way things really work. They teach us like we're in some fantasy world and that what we believe is just, you know, just makes people feel better about what is real. No, that's not it. The only thing the Christian is cheating is condemnation for sin, a life void of contentment, and an eternity in hell. So if you want to say that what I believe is a cheat, you're right. Because every part of what I've done to God in my life, I deserve to spend an eternity in hell for it. But I'm cheating hell because Jesus came and paid that price on the cross for me. And I've seen the works that He's done. And I've accepted Christ as my Savior. And I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. I know that Christ paid the price for me. And so while I belong in hell... I'm going to be given eternity in heaven. I've cheated condemnation for sin. And you know what? All these people that teach all this other crazy stuff, they have no happiness and no contentment in their life. Those that trust wealth never have enough. Those that trust this and that, they're never satisfied. There's never any real joy. Their happiness, it fluctuates like the stock market does. One day they're up, next day they're down. Why? Because this made them happy today, this made them unhappy the next day, and they're they're off balance because why? They don't have the Spirit of God. They don't have a relationship with Christ. They have a life void of contentment. But Paul said, 
in whatsoever state I am, therewith I've learned to be content. I've learned to have, have not, you know, a base, to be about, to be hungry, to be fed. There's different seasons of life. You may be in a season of plenty, you may be in a season of less, but you can be content in all seasons because you have Jesus Christ. One of the gifts of the Spirit. The great lie of the world on display here at the end of chapter 7. Have any of the rulers or Pharisees believed on him? We don't believe on him. Why are you believing on him? This is to suggest that being a disciple of Christ goes contrary to the life of one who is of quality and reputation. You're right. Am I right about it? You know, like, oh, you're one of those. What does that mean? What do you mean one of those people? I thought we lived in like a world where we weren't supposed to do that. That's not politically correct. You're judging me. All right. But you're one of those. Yeah. You believe in all the simple faith things. And, you know, we are so much more intelligent and sophisticated than you are. And you're just looking there like, you know, I, I Lord, what do I, I want to tell them the truth, but I don't even know if they'd receive it. Listen. The world might treat us like we're less than. But the real issue is this. Self-denial and the burden of bearing a cross has seldom appealed to those who think too highly of themselves. I don't think I could finish a sermon with a better statement than that. Self-denial and the burden of bearing a cross has seldom appealed to those who think too highly of themselves. You see, the big thing with Christianity is you have to come to a place where you're sick of yourself in order to say, I need Jesus. What I'm doing, it's all wrong and it's, it's not working. What I want is not, this is not... I don't feel right. I'm not happy. I'm not content. I feel like I just, you know, and it takes the preaching of the gospel for that to happen in somebody's life. But you have to come to a place where you're willing to deny yourself and realize that accepting Christ does mean things change. And the real problem is some people don't want things to change. They want a free ticket to heaven, but they want to keep living. They They want all of heaven's blessings, but they want to live like hell. Nope, doesn't work that way. You have to accept that not only is the sin wrong and everything, but now when you get this new life, it is a new life. That's why it's being called born again. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. The new life means new habits, new friends, new family, new lifestyle, new entertainment, new desires. Things I used to want to do on Friday night, I don't do that. I want the Bible. Give me Bible time. Give me family time. Amen? What does the, what does the Bible tell us that we should value in our life? And we should value those things. Amen? So you know what? The Bible tells us, warns us, let no man think too highly of himself. We should not think too highly of ourselves. Uh, somebody that's high-minded in themselves is living a life contrary to what the Spirit of God wants for them. But you know what we see in chapter 7? Quite a few that think too highly of themselves. But we also see quite a few that have accepted Christ and they have believed on Him. It said many, not a few. I hope you can say today that you're one of the many that's believed on Christ for salvation. Uh, As we get ready for an invitation and some prayer, in the controversy 
surrounding your decision to follow Jesus. Remember the song, I have decided to follow Jesus? And the controversy surrounding that decision. Be like Nicodemus and speak boldly of your cause. Be like Nicodemus. Let that faith start to come out of you. Stand boldly for what's right and do what you know the Lord wants you to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time together this morning in the worship hour. And we do, we do pray that you've been blessed and um, by our worship, our singing. Lord, thank you for the message this morning. Thank you for the truths that you've shared with us. Lord, we know the world may seem to be against us. Um, but Lord, the Bible says, if you are for us, who can be against us? Lord, we thank you for the precious promises of your scripture. Lord, as we take this time, as everyone's in prayer, if there's one here that's never accepted Christ today, um, Lord, the invitation, come and drink, and I'll give you a river of living water that just flows out of our life, flows out of our belly. Speaking of the Holy Spirit of God, would somebody come and drink today from the water that thirsts forever, for eternity, um, the blessings of, of you, Lord? I pray that if there's one here that's never confessed you as Savior, never said, Lord, I believe in everything the Bible has said, and I know I've never accepted you as my Savior, I pray now, forgive my sins, save me, and give me the gift of eternal life that you promise in your Scripture. Lord, I want that living water. I want my soul's thirst to be finally quenched and for it to be permanent. Lord, I thank you for the blessings of the, of the Scripture. There's maybe one here today that uh, just has been away from the Lord, feels like they've just kind of severed their relationship or just wants to be closer to you, Lord. I would pray with them today, Lord, if that is you today, and just cry out to the Lord, Lord, I, I feel like I've wandered into a dry place in my life and I just need some refreshing. Lord, I need to be revived. I need to feel a fresh touch from you, Lord. I need to recommit, rededicate myself. I just need to get back on track. Lord, forgive me for my wandering and then help me get back on the right track again, Lord. I just ask that you uh, uh, would bless them, Lord, and bless our church. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship. Uh, we thank you for um, the grace that you've given us. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for a relationship with the Savior, Lord. And um, God, I, I lift up every burden that's here this morning. And, um, and God, I ask that you lift those, that you meet every need. Lord, that you heal where there's healing, heal hearts, and um, strengthen us, Lord, encourage us, Lord. Uh, any that's discouraged or frustrated for any reason, God, I just ask that you will minister to those situations. And um, God, we need you. Every day we need you. We need you in the middle of everything we do. We need you to help our decisions on a daily basis. We need you to make the right decisions, to do the right things, God. We need you to have opportunities to minister to others. And without you, we really cannot do anything, Lord. We thank you for um, just doing your will in our lives. We thank you for the guidance. We thank you for the family time. We thank you for each other um, and that we carry burdens together. And Lord, thank you for those who do deny themselves and set that example for others to follow. Lord, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for speaking to us today. Let us apply these truths in our heart. Let us apply them in our lives. Lord, we need you. We love you. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.